Hello and welcome, it's Trucking Answers, and it's the podcast that you've been waiting for. This is the podcast that other trucking podcasts listen to so that they can decide what they are going to talk about. So, today in an unabridged episode, we'll have some trucking news, some automotive news, and yet another reason we do not live on Mars. Do you know why we don't live on Mars? Well, I'll tell you. It's because there's a bunch of dumb, stupid, moronic, dumb people that are morons on this planet that are idiots that we have to support with our tax dollars, either by services or jail with cheese sandwiches, whatever it is. Current Mars weather provided by NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, and the Perseverance Mission. Currently, today's weather, well, the most recent weather, let's put it that way, minus 8 degrees as a high, and the low tonight at minus 118. So, pretty temperate weather. It's currently late winter at the Perseverance Mission. Many thanks to NASA. As you know, recently United Furniture closed its doors, firing everyone immediately with no uh, chance for Cobra or anything else, which of course, as we know, even though I'm not a lawyer, right, is illegal because you have to provide a WARN Act notification, the Worker Adjustment Retraining and Notification Act, if you're going to lay more than 50 people off at one time and give them either 60 days notice or 60 days pay. But these companies don't care anything about that. So they told drivers to bring equipment back, just park it and leave, basically. Now <laughs> they've locked the gates and you can't get your trailer out of there. So if you're a company that had a trailer spotted there, you can't get out there. Some owner operators that only had a couple trailers that were working basically exclusively with this place, they can't get their stuff. So now they're having to sue to get their equipment out. Consider this, you know, if you're an owner operator, especially if you have your own authority and you're working this way with a place that any place can go out of business. United Furniture, they didn't just open last year. They've been open for a while. Okay, so you can just lose your job just like that. So as a driver, so that's why I could not encourage you enough to keep a clean record. Don't say, oh, who cares? I've been here forever. I can take a couple tickets or whatever. You may have to get a job at any time. And this is another reason that you should always be looking for a job. ABL. Uh, that's what I talk about. Always be looking. I just made that up now, if you didn't know. <laughs> but you should always be looking around and thinking to yourself, hmm, if, if this place closed uh, in a couple of hours and told us that we're all fired, what would I do? You know, always have some kind of plan. Always be ready with the next thing. Always be looking around for your next opportunity. Where would you go? If, what if your company right now called you and said, you know what, bring the truck back, we're closed. You're fired, your insurance is canceled, and you're not gonna get even your last check, much less 60 days notice or anything else. What would you do? Are you ready? You know, I could not encourage people more to go sign up for Uber and be ready with that because you could start making money immediately, which may give you a little lead time on what to do next. And what job would you take? Would you go somewhere else? Or do you have a company in mind? Do you even have any idea who's hiring in your area or what you would do? Be ready with this stuff because that next call could be to you. And I know people say, oh, well, that can't happen. There are many companies, Celadon, right? Large companies that have been open for years that just closed, just like United Furniture. So don't sit back and think that can't happen to me because it could and be ready. Here, this is important. If you uh, went to truck school in Iowa, and this is probably in other states, but this is what we're talking about, Iowa. So truck school or work at an Iowa-based company, 
Listen up, okay? And if, if you've been there recently or thinking of going to truck school in Iowa, here's what the governor is going to do for you in Iowa. The governor, Kim Reynolds, okay, announced a grant of $6 million to reimburse uh, to help remove obstacles for new truck drivers who want entry-level commercial driver's licenses. Except here's the thing. Listen. listen. Are you listening? Listen, Linda. They're sending that money to the employer. Employer, not you. The employee. Ye. So when you go to truck school in Iowa, or you start out as an entry-level driver at a company that's in Iowa, okay, an Iowa-based driver, what does it say? Okay, Iowa CDL drivers. Okay. So you get your CDL in Iowa, and then you start out at a company as an entry-level driver. The company can apply for and receive a grant for your training. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That means that thing that the paper that they have you sign where you will pay them back, they're getting paid from the state, which is what I've always said. But here, this is a, just another program to help pay the companies, not you. They're paying the companies back. And then when you leave, because it's a crap place located in Iowa, okay, I can't imagine what place that might be, and you go work at a decent place, what do they do? They come after you for the money that they already got paid back from somebody else. You see what I'm saying? You see? That's why this whole training thing of these companies is just a huge scam. Were they making you pay for it? Here the governor is announcing yet another program to help people get into trucking by paying the employers. Why don't they pay you the money? Why don't they say... You go to truck school, and we'll pay you directly. Okay, here's what I think they should do. Okay, being the libertarian side of me, it's not pay it at all. Okay, there shouldn't be any of that kind of thing because that's taxpayer money. But look, what they're doing is paying these huge companies. Do you know how much profit some of these Iowa-based carriers? It's basically, it's basically they could just grab the gold. They're making so much money in Iowa for some of these companies. And some of them, they're even employee-owned. Can you imagine that? And yet, they go and get all this money. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Here, still, what I'm telling you, you know, some of them just need to have a bigger heart. That's what I'm saying when they do this kind of stuff. Okay? Sees Iowa-based places. But what they're doing, the governor is doing, because it's so hard to get a license. That's what they're saying. And it's very difficult that there's not that many openings for licenses. I'm like, what? What? They're listening to the Iowa uh, Trucking Association, I'm sure, <laughs> right? Because it probably has a lot of pull because a lot of companies locate in Iowa. And she says, oh, uh, how does she put it? Okay, that there's so many, uh, we have, a, oh, this is a quote from the governor. We have a lot of trucks in Iowa because we have a lot of farmers, <laughs> right? Can you, <laughs> yes, that's why there's trucking companies in Iowa, because of all the farmers, all right? Yeah, it isn't farmers, it's because of the uh culture in Iowa that way favors trucking companies and employers really overall over employees. That's why they locate there. Okay. Plus they give them tax breaks. So it has nothing to do with farmers. Are you kidding me? Uh, I just love it, right? A lot of farm kids, men and women were familiar with trucks, but couldn't go get their CDL. Now we can get it to them faster and at a lower, a lower cost. 
Now, I will say also in this, it doesn't mandate that any of those cost savings that the company will have are passed on to you. So they still can, under this program, because I read it here, they can still charge you whatever, 10000 8000 make you sign for it, and go get the grant from the state. No problem. No problem. They hope, the state ho says, oh, we hope this will help lower costs to employees. Oh, yeah, but they don't have to do it. They're not required to do it. The, the training, instruction, and courses meeting requirements can last multiple weeks and take, cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's true. I went, it was three weeks when I went to school, although the third week you tested on Thursday. And then it was $1,595. Uh, now at Sino, seven to $10,000, maybe a little more, depending where you go. See, thanks to the governor's new program, they, this can serve it as, as an incentive to help offset higher entry-level CDL costs. Okay, but it doesn't have to. So companies there can still double-dip you. Okay, they can literally double-dip you. They can take this grant, which, believe me, they're going to take because they're the ones that stuck it in the governor's ear through probably, probably, the Iowa Trucking Association helped on by their buddies over there at the ATA. And they will take that money. They'll tr they'll hire you, apply for that grant, because they get the grant the first day. Okay, you have to do one day. And then they can apply for the grant. That's what it says. So on your first day of entry-level driver training, they go get their grant. And if you quit, they don't care. What do they care? It didn't cost them anything. They'll try to ding you for the money that they already got back. And if you haul a few loads for them, it helped make them money. You're making you know 30% of what the industry should make. But the whole thing is a huge scam, okay? And don't fall for it. Don't fall for their flashy ads. Their ads where they have women in bikinis washing trucks, stuff like that. Don't fall. I've seen those ads, okay? They do that. Don't fall for those kind of ads where they bring pizza to your truck school. That's, not, that's nothing. They're getting this money. So don't think like they're doing you any favors by training you. They're getting the training paid by the government. They aren't doing you any favors. It's all to make them money, which is what companies do. But they shouldn't uh, be, you know, two-faced about it. They should say, and if the cost of to them is whatever, 5000 bucks or whatever, and they get it from the government, they shouldn't charge you anything. They've gotten their money. They shouldn't double dip the money. And then, of course, there shouldn't be taxpayers funding this kind of thing. Anyways, the companies should pick it up themselves. It's just another scam, just another scam program wasting taxpayer dollars. Now we have some suggestions that have come out, suggestions on on this uh, survey that we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago that uh, about crime and harassment and that in the trucking industry. And you know what? You can tell that this was done by a uh, company. The survey was done by a company that has nothing to do with trucking. They don't know anything about trucking because that the, the, one of their lines in there is harassment is more likely to happen at truck stops, places where truck drivers pick up and fueling stations all right when is the last time you said you needed to go to a fueling station to go get fuel okay how about never nobody says that nobody in the industry says that so we already know that uh you know this is a problem because it's done by people that have no idea what they're talking about and of course they break it down by race and everything like everybody does so uh, but here's a problem here threats of harm and actual physical harm are the most common types of crimes committed against women and minority truckers which i guess are men because we're the minority in the country but not the minority of drivers i don't know 
but they are not the same they are not of the same nature you know factors contributing to minorities facing crimes include pre-existing prejudice and racism yeah there's some of that i'm sure motor car motor carrier company supply chains i don't know how that is a factor in crime how is the supply chain a factor in crime i guess maybe because they send you to like gary to deliver or um you know areas that are unsafe i don't know i don't know how that is a factor in crime and get this and here's where i'm going to go off the rails right and the vulnerability surrounding minorities who cannot speak english well doggone you are required to speak english to get your cdl okay so therefore if you cannot speak english and you, you should not have a license or be driving a truck in the united states how about that there i said it so if you're having this podcast translated to you in the united states you have no right to have a CDL and you should turn it in and go to the police station and turn yourself in. What do you think about that? Okay, now is that uh, some type of crime? You know what the crime committed is? The crime is that if you cannot speak English, you cannot get a CDL. So if you did, you somehow got it fraudulently because the law, law requires you to be able to speak English sufficient to communicate with a DOT officer. That's what it says. Okay, so if you cannot do that, then you cannot have a CDL, period. What do you think about that? So there. Uh, another illuminating factor here. Oh my gosh, how illuminating. Crime is more likely to happen in urban areas compared with rural areas. Yeah, because there's nobody in a rural area. That's why it's rural. Okay. And harassment against female truck drivers is more likely to happen from midnight to 6 a.m.? Yeah. Don't you remember the song, The Freaks Come Out at Night? Exactly. Exactly. The song was right. So, uh, yeah, this is just ridiculous. Some of the stuff that they say in here. Uh, they should Companies should develop educational material to increase awareness. Oh, great. That's what I need is another stupid online thing that i got to take to uh, figure out how to be a decent person. That stuff is not going to change who people are that's what needs to happen okay what needs to happen is we need to change who people are okay if anybody has ever seen me in person which i guess is not that many people but i was at the truck show last year all right i try to be nice to everybody it doesn't matter uh what race you are or what sex you are i'm not going to harass you or anything unless you don't speak english to me i guess and in which case then you shouldn't have a license but i guess you can still exist here but it just matters who who it is. So, like, who you are, you know, in private is who you are in public. And that's the problem. If you are willing to harass some women at 3 in the morning at a truck stop, do you think giving that person some educational material is going to change who they are? It isn't. If you make them watch some video or give them a pamphlet or a handout or a brochure or they have to sit through, the worst thing would be have to sit through some meeting in-person meeting where they uh you know where they have a speaker and come up and say well this is uh you know women are the same and we shouldn't harass anybody that's not going to change who anybody is that doesn't do any good by the time someone is a driver their personality is set that has to happen to them as a kid you know it was always impressed upon me to you know be respectful to women 
And so, and it's not like I roll a red carpet out for the wife, but you know, I open doors for people and stuff like that. I still do that. And I'm not going to harass you if I see you during the day or at three in the morning at a truck stop. That's just because that's who I am though. You know, and I don't think I'm doing anything great. I'm just think that's, that's how it should be. You know, it's just as simple as that. But if somebody is willing to do that, they're, they're still going to do that. You can't give them a pamphlet and change the, the way people are. They're not going to be like, oh, they're going to read this pamphlet. And go, well, I can't believe it. What I've been, I've been sexually harassing waitresses at two in the morning at the lunch counter my whole life. And I can't believe what I've done is incorrect. I'm so sorry. I mean, come on. That is just not going to happen. That person's still going to do the same thing. So all these stupid meetings and video or pamphlets, it's not going to do any good. It just isn't going to do any good. We're going to have to start. That starts with somebody that's four. That's four years old, and they have to be taught at that point. You know, it just can't happen because of a pamphlet. And drivers, of course, said they'd feel safer if they're permitted to, permitted to carry a firearm. Well, I don't know. I mean, so if somebody is harassing you, you can't just shoot them, although it'd be nice. You know, I watch, uh, you know, OP Nation live, uh, you know, uh, every week. There's so many people I would tase. That's why I wouldn't make a good cop, I guess, because I would have tased a bunch of people, but you probably can't. And it says policies uh, do not generally allow truckers to carry firearms. Usually company policies is what they're talking about. Not the law, you know. So uh, here's the thing. A lot of stuff that happens to you, you know, like that, you can't shoot people. You can't just pull out and blast people all the time. You have to be, you know, a little bit circumspect about that. And it said uh, female truck drivers were two to four times more likely to be report being touched without permission. What men are being touched without permission? Does that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Look, I'm honest, being honest about that. No one has ever touched me without permission. I mean... Uh, I was in Boy Scouts and nothing happened to me. I couldn't even get out of the lawsuit. And then I thought, what is wrong? Why is no one touching me? So, uh, so I can't even get people to do that that way. So, <laughs> and minority women were nine times more likely to report being physically harmed with non-minority uh, compared to non-minority men. I don't know why that might be. So, and it said half of harassments go unreported. Well, we don't know that if they're unreported, honestly. If a harassment goes unreported, we don't know about it because it's unreported. So there's really no way to know about unreported harassment. They said half the people that, uh, you know, chose not to report it said they did, the reason they gave was they did not think it would make a difference. Well, how did they know what the reason was if they didn't report it? Uh, it said that dispatchers, carriers, and customers need to communicate a travel plan that is efficient and safe. <laughs> That's what I want is three different people giving me a route. Okay, so uh, no. How about that? It says delay scheduling conflicts and shipper and receiver facilities can force truckers to park in unsafe locations. Now this, I take umbrage at that because like I said, I don't park on the side of the road. I won't park generally behind a shipper or receiver. I don't like it. I think it's unsafe personally. I won't park somewhere that's not safe. I would drive farther to park somewhere safe. And if it became a problem at a company, I would probably leave because your safety is utmost important because if you don't have that and you are killed, that's pretty bad for your future earning potential and, uh, you know, basically the rest of your life. So do not park places that are unsafe. No one forces you to park in an unsafe location. Okay, do not park where it is unsafe. And so uh, that's what they're talking about in this stuff. And I just thought, you know... I just, uh, I just can't take it. I just can't take some of the stuff. And remember, remember, 
CDL license is required English, English. So that's English in another language. So that isn't harassing someone. Someone got their license fraudulently if they cannot speak and communicate in English. Just a quick blurb about California. Governor Newsom of California wants to look into the price of gasoline and gouging by these terrible big oil companies and how horrible it is that Californians have to pay so much for tax of gas. Oh, wait, did he forgot to say tax? Because the person that makes the most money per gallon is the state. They have over 53 cents per gallon tax, and they have no money invested in making the gasoline. So the person that makes the most money, it's not the gas station. They hardly make anything. They make a few cents. It's not the oil companies. It's the state. It's the state because they get all this money per gallon, and they do not produce the product tax right is just stealing your money of course and it's one of the highest taxes in the country and remember you don't have a right to gasoline at any certain price so if it's twelve dollars a gallon you don't have to buy it you know you can buy an electric bike you can walk or you can fire all of your state representatives and at least have the tax uh, put back to zero where it belongs either way the person making the most money is the governor and they actually asked him about that and he refused to comment he goes, well, but look at all the money the oil companies are profiting, all this profit. But what about the tax? But the oil companies are profiting. You don't have a right to gas at any certain price. So there's no gouging of really any product in the United States. That's not how the country works. They can sell it at whatever they want, and you can either buy it or not. Maybe if you didn't commute to work, you know, in a suburban XL uh, long version with a gigantic engine, you'd get better mileage. There's also, you could consider that as well. So think about that. But either way, you don't have a right to gas at any certain price. Fire everybody that's in office and get the tax removed. Imagine that. If they fired everybody in California and re removed the gas tax, they'd save uh, like a high 53 cents per gallon immediately by just removing the state gas tax from the gallon. So I got this question again. I sometimes get questions from people about buying a car because for some of you that know, I have a car-based YouTube channel as well with like 800 and some videos. It's a very small channel, but it's because I love cars. So I get car questions and I sold cars for a while. Here's the thing. They think they're going to go out with cash and buy a car at a dealership and they're going to save money because they have cash. And I wanted to explain to people again, that is not the cheapest way to buy a car at the dealer. Maybe through, uh, you know, Facebook ads or something. If you're buying it privately, I'm sure those people don't finance for you. But when you go to the dealer, oh, cash is king. We'll make a deal for cash. No, that's not actually the best way to get a deal on a car at a dealership. So if you have the money for a car, and we're not talking like an $800 car, okay? So I'm talking like a decent car you know, five figures, and you think you're going to go in there with money, or you're going to go in with a check from your credit union. That's still buying it for cash or your bank or whatever. You're like, I have a loan myself and I'll give you the money. That's to the dealer. You're giving them cash for the car, whatever that price is, because you're they're getting it through you. So you're giving them cash rather than financing at the dealership. Now, if you can do this Say you have the financing lined up at your bank, whatever it is, bank of whatever, you should still finance through the dealership 
What, Mark? Yes, because that's the cheapest way to get the car. So the cheapest way I can help you negotiate the car as the dealership, as the salesman, to a little bit lower price if you're willing to finance through me because there's there's what's called front-end money and back-end money, kind of like at the manhole. You get some back-end money there too. So the front-end money would be like a rebate where a car has like a $1,000 rebate or whatever Like because I know they have those at Ford because they just sent me a thing in the mail right here. Here's the paper from Ford in my never nicotine-stained fingers that says, hey, here's $1,000 off any vehicle. That's front-end money. I take that in there, and they get front-end money. But they also have back-end money. And so some of it is incentives. So they'll give an incentive for this month, whatever it is. They go, okay, for every escape you sell, the dealer gets $500. And that's hard to find that stuff out. But there's also financing incentives. So if you'll finance through Ford, Motor Credit, or wherever you go, Volvo Credit or whatever, there's back-end money to get the financing. Okay? There's back-end money on the financing. Also, so maybe they get, say, for every financed car, we'll give you $750. They can cut you in on that deal. The dealer can. Not whether they do or not, I don't know, but they can. So we can do a little more negotiation and get some of that money, too. They can take a couple of hundred more dollars off the price. Also, there's price bumps on the rate. So they send it in, and then they'll get a thing. We used to get it in a fax. I'm sure it's electronic. <laughs> we will wait for a fax to come back in. So... I'm sure it's electronic now, and they go, okay, we'll give Joe Schmo here, uh, you know, 5%, all right, 4.9%. And then they, but with plus, say, it'll say plus four. So what'll happen is I can hit you at 8.9% at the dealer because it says on the sheet that I can do a plus four on it. Well, that 4% spread is given back to the dealership. Uh, partially given back to the dealership as back-end money. And they get that when the contract is finalized. Okay, so they'll get that. So whatever that is, so at 60 months at 4%, 4 more percent, it may be, you know, $1,000, $1,200, $1,500. It may be more than that. Depends on how much the car is. They get part of that up front too. So you can negotiate all that in. So maybe then they give you another few hundred dollars. Now we've taken another 500 maybe $750 off the price of the car because you're financing it at the dealership. So that $20,000 car is now $19,250 actual price. Okay, you fill all the paperwork out. And then before your first payment comes due, you take you go to your credit union or bank and you basically refinance the car you pay off that loan with the check from them you don't pay any interest you pay that in the cars then paid off through them and sent to your bank and you save hundreds of dollars maybe a thousand dollars maybe more depending on what your finance rate is and how expensive the car is but you save that over cash because if you're not willing to do that at the dealer i don't have any more room to move in the car we're here. This is guaranteed extra back-end money that the dealer knows it's going to get from these other places so they can do more on the deal. The line cash is king, uh, you know, may work on a, uh, for um, an owner-operator, right? But in fact, at the dealership, at the dealership to buy a car, not so much. Credit is king there and just pay it off either with another loan or if you had the money, and the bank, just pay it. When you get the little payment book thing or whatever that comes in the mail, just pay it. Take that first one, 
Find out what the payoff is and send it in. And what is a huge irony, I was just out looking at Wrangler 4xEs in a recent video that I did, and now there's a stop sale order on them. That vehicle that I looked at, they can't sell it. Why? Oh, it might stop running. Yes, it may stop moving. And if you have one of these vehicles and you can check the NHTSA website for recalls to see if it's yours, these are the two liter with you know, mild hybrid powertrain. So it can run part of the time in electric mode. And what happens, Jeep says, there's some kind of problem in the powertrain control module to tell the thing to turn the engine back on. And so it just stops moving. And this could happen at any time. And they'd said, you don't have to stop driving yours, but be, in, be aware that it may stop running and that'll be it. You won't be able to get it started. You won't be able to drive in electric mode. You'll have to have it towed. And right now they don't have a fix for it. Isn't that great? Isn't this hybrid and all this advanced technology great for us? Did you ever see this problem in uh, like a 1970, you know, mid-70s Plymouth Fury? I don't think so. Okay, so so uh, this is the problem with this, of course. It didn't, as I showed in my video, it didn't even get that great a fuel mileage over a regular one. So I personally didn't think it was worth it. And the Wrangler I was looking at was 60 grand anyways, which I thought was about cray cray, as the kids say today. Either way, you can't drive this thing. Any distance, I'd be nervous to take it any distance. What if you're going somewhere on a trip to grandma's house for Christmas and it doesn't start or it stops on the way up there in the wintertime or whatever? It's just a big problem. Look, just get a record to get the 3.6 Pentastar in that thing, the regular gas engine. They've been using it for many years. It'll get you down the road. At least you won't have these kind of issues. And it was only a couple of miles per gallon less than the four cylinder with all this stupid hybrid stuff, anyways. So go with a regular engine. And maybe the next generation will do better with all these hybrid things. This is the city, Los Angeles. It was about 66 degrees. It was a dreary day. I had to wear a raincoat. You know what that's from, but I'll tell you what. You know where we are not from? Mars. And this is why. Two geniuses who apparently had stayed late at their Mensa meeting... We're cruising around Los Angeles recently at around 4 in the morning. A 29-year-old male who was unnamed and a 19-year-old male also unnamed. Now, as we know, at this time of day, you get a little hungry. You get the hungry hungries. And so you're like, you know what? We ought to stop at a convenience store and get some food because our brains hurt from thinking so much today especially solving the world's problems. So they go in to a convenience store, but it turns out, as you can imagine, they don't have any money. They rob the store of $18.76 worth of beer and snacks, which they picked out. And the thing is about people that come from Mensa meetings is they're not very observant because at the convenience store, they parked next to a marked Los Angeles Police Department vehicle, which had only beaten them there by a few seconds. As seen on video, the police officers in the uniform walked in just seconds before these two geniuses walked in after parking next to the police car. The officer is seen browsing the store 
when these two come in and rush up to the register with their uh, product. They grab beer, whatever, and then tell the guy, eh, give us the money or whatever. And when they turn around from the register, Officer Friendly is standing there to arrest them. Look, here's the thing. These two are now being fed cheese sandwiches in prison, and I can't get to Mars where it's going to not even be minus 120. It's going to be warmer than that. When you go to rob a place, any place really, much less a convenience store, first off, you're going to want to scope the area like the parking lot and just see, just check out quickly, like, are there any marked police cars here in the parking lot? Okay, and you know it's running. The police always leave their cars running. So it was probably sitting there running. It's like, okay. So there, that's the first thing. Marked police car. Okay, so probably scratch that place off the list. But even so, when you go inside, don't just rob the place. Okay, look around. Not that many places are open at night anymore. And as we see, Los Angeles is actually considering reinstating a mask mandate because we know how effective that was last time. So there's going to be less and less places open because of all the hype and hysteria going around for the uh, hoax. I mean, the COVID going around. So that's a real problem. So you got to look around. Is there an officer in uniform or maybe even more than one officer in uniform in the store that I'm going in to go rob? Okay, so like look down the aisles a couple times, see what's going on before and go rob. So once you get that solved, then then you might be slightly more successful in robbing the place than robbing it where you park next to a marked police car and then go inside. I don't know if there's any kind of drugs and or alcohol already involved in this uh, crime besides what they were picking up. I'm going to have to say maybe. And if not, here's two more geniuses that should be sterilized because look, I think these guys are going to uh I think they're going to raise their kids. Okay, not great. We got to take care of this kind of thing. I'm sure out there, they probably got out of jail before that officer got off his shift. And that is sad. That's really sad. Doesn't say where they used a weapon. Wouldn't matter to me. Uh, you know, they're still robbing the place. And so they should be in. They probably aren't. Still, they probably still had to give them some kind of meal. We still got to take their picture. We got to do all this paperwork waste officers time we got more officers than we need because there shouldn't be all these crimes it's all money that could go to other things but no we gotta have these these uh, guys running around you know at the village pantry or whatever's out there 7-eleven whatever we got out there wawa mart robbing it and i don't like it so but either way that's why we don't live on mars even though we could if not for these guys so i want to thank y'all for listening and we'll be back soon Remember, with another podcast.